right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Amara Show. We took a break. Uh, it's been a while, and I, I needed that break. I was happy to have that break, but finally, we're going to head back into the podcast with a really interesting topic, and as you already know, we have been doing a series with Mike Reeder from Domestic Violence Intervention. As you may already know, Mike is a public educator coordinator for DVI. And today we're going to be speaking about a really interesting topic, and that is the topic of toxic stress and what that means. So that being said, Mike, thank you again for being here today. Uh, and I'll let you dive in. Tell me about toxic stress. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me on again, Amari. Appreciate it. Yeah, so toxic stress is um, its kind of a buzzword these days in a lot of circles. Um, it's kind of getting a lot of air time, especially when we're talking about the pandemic and a lot of other things that are chaotic and overwhelming in our communities and our societies today. So we wanted to spend a little bit of time just kind of talking about what that is and hashing that out. So I think probably a way, a place to start is to, is to let folks know that there's, um, according to Harvard anyway, there's three levels of stress. So uh, one of those is toxic stress, but then there's also two other levels that kind of fall before that. And the first is positive stress. And a lot of people might think that, you know, stress isn't really a positive thing. Um, <clears throat> because it doesn't feel very good, but it does have some positive qualities to it. So essentially, you know, we all have stress. It's something that we're born with, something that we can't change is being human, right? So, um, but at its very foundation, you know, stress is really about survival. It's about self-preservation. And so our stress response basically, you know, it keeps us safe, it keeps us alive, it keeps us, it, it mobilizes our bodies to deal with threat and danger. And so that's where it's kind of this, has this positive aspect to it. Um, but that, that stress response should be, you know, temporary and brief. So if we imagine, for example, um, I step into the street and a truck you know, I don't see this truck coming and this truck suddenly is coming at me and I jump out of the way real quick, right? That's a stress response. Um, so after that happens, you know, I calm down, I cool down. Okay, I'm good, I'm safe, I'm okay, right? And probably for most people, life goes on. So then we have kind of like this second type of stress, which is which researchers call tolerable stress. And so now we're talking things that are kind of above and beyond normal, you know, so we all have day-to-day -day stressors, getting the kids up and ready for school and meeting deadlines and dealing with a, a boss that's kind of just hard on us lately. Um, but when we're talking, you know, higher levels of stress, we're talking more like, you know, again, the things we're seeing around us, the, dealing with the pandemic, seeing um you know violence in the streets and people rioting and protesting and um that you know that they're ongoing we also might think about things like um you know what i do is you know work as, as a domestic violence organization so things like violence in the home and child abuse and neglect and um you know 
we might think about first responders and war veterans, so above and beyond normal stressors that aren't just day to day. But what makes these kinds of things tolerable for us is that we have this really strong social support network around us, you know, people who have our backs and take care of us and love us and support us. And so that kind of helps us alleviate that stress. And so it doesn't have this big impact on us. And, you know, generally life goes on. <clears throat> so now we, that leads us into the toxic stress thing, right? So now we have the same kinds of above and beyond normal stressors. But one of two things is happening. On the one hand, it might be I don't have that social support network to help buffer me against my own stress. Or on the other hand, that social support network, you know, the people who are supposed to love me and take care of me and protect me are actually the ones who are causing me harm. And so this is it's called toxic stress, because basically our stress response just gets revved up and it's like a truck's coming at us all the time and there's nothing there to protect us or buffer us or um you know we're kind of all on our own in that way and our stress response just kind of takes over and and you know we're quite literally sort of messes with our heads um so that's why it's kind of an important thing to to sort of talk about and let people know about that you know, yeah stress is good and it has its function it has its purpose but uh if it takes over it can become problematic so you know, what, what is toxic stress and how does it affect uh, our brains? Is, is there anything that happens when we experience toxic stress? Sure, yeah. So um, stress is something, like I said, you know, we're born with it. In fact, our stress response um, is, is preloaded uh, in the uterus before we're even born. So... Um, Essentially, what happens is our our brains, let's say, have sort of like a default setting of sorts. So you think about a computer out of the box, it has a default setting and you can kind of change that default setting, you know, uh, what what font Microsoft Word comes in, you know, and we can change that and make it make it a permanent kind of thing. So it's that kind of process where when we're constantly being exposed to this, just this completely over the top stress response that's not buffered at all, that kind of resets the default setting of our brains. So now that, you know, every time we load a program, so to speak, every time we have an interaction or we interact with the world around us, um, oftentimes it's everything's being filtered through our stress. And so, um, you know, the littlest thing, you know, um, that for 99% of people out there, it's not a big deal. Suddenly to me, because I have this, this, this overactive stress response, it becomes a very big deal to me very quickly. And so we tend to see people who have very impulsive reactions and extreme behaviors and frightening behaviors even sometimes, um, you know, violent behavior, belligerence, or we might see people on the other end of the spectrum who just get to turn very inward, to become very quiet and shut down and, um you know they they space out or they just cut people off um and so uh that's kind of what what happens right so that that's our new default setting and the, the littlest stressor just stresses us out suddenly and everyone else around you is kind of like what you know what's wrong with mike what's going on there you know that wasn't really a big deal 
you know, but to me, it's a big deal because I don't, I don't have the ability to now manage my own stress response. It really kind of takes over. And, um, you know, some people call it hijacking the brain. Wow. So you're basically saying that for, for a person in their day to day, when they're experiencing toxic stress, they become hypersensitive to things that otherwise in another time probably wouldn't bother them. Now, one of the things that came just to my mind while you were saying that is, do we go through a state where we're experiencing toxic stress and then we have the ability to leave that? Or is toxic stress something that it, it has more of a permanent feel to it um, when it comes to that? Sure, I think I think for folks who who kind of have that experience, it might feel permanent in a way, um, and it can absolutely sort of just take over a person's life for sure. Um, but that said, you know there are things that that sort of can be done. So you know, the brain really functions from like this use it or lose it uh, process. So that's to say, so what I'm kind of getting at with toxic stress is our stress response is constantly used, right? So like a muscle that we exercise, it grows and it strengthens and it thrives. And so that's where it sort of resets the default setting. Um, so what we kind of have to do to counteract that over time, and it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, is we kind of have to... Um, massage and work out another part of our brain um, which is involved in calming us down so the part of the brain that that stresses us out is not the same part of the brain that calms us down um, but when the when the stress center takes over right then that calming center actually lags behind and it struggles to to grow and to thrive so what we have to do is really find ways to help people um, you know, create and manage coping skills and, and mechanisms and find balance in life and engage in healthy, supportive relationships. And over time, then we can reset that default setting of the brain sort of back to where it was. It may not be perfect, um, but we can kind of reset it again to a place where it's not so reactive all the time. All right. So the next question that comes to mind then is, you know, how, how might this look to an outsider observer, a uh, person that's looking at somebody else who's experiencing toxic stress? And, you know, how does the person experiencing toxic stress, how do they behave? What are some of the sounds sure. maybe uh, when it comes yeah, so, to so to an uh, outside observer, we might see, um, we might see some very, on the one end of the spectrum, some very hypervigilant behaviors of so somebody who's always constantly on edge, somebody who's agitated a lot and, you know, can't sit still and they just seem angry and just bothered by everybody all the time. Um, you know, we can obviously see things where we you know, have people who are, who are actually acting out violence and belligerence and you know being physically harmful toward people or yelling and screaming all the time those kinds of things um and then on the other end of the spectrum we have people who also uh, do what we call sort of act in 
instead of act out, they act in and, you know, they might, um, you know, so good examples, you know, school students right now, a lot of kids going back to school and, you know, they might just space out and stop paying attention or stare out the window or they doodle on the paper and those kinds of things. So that's kind of a, a you know, an indication that there's a sense of overwhelm going on in that child or, or, or adult as well. Um, and, you know, on off that, that end of the spectrum, the things like self-harm and suicidal ideation and, and attempting suicide and things like that, um, where people are trying to, to um, you know, to essentially alleviate or take care of, handle that stress um, through a way of, of harming themselves. So uh, these are all kinds of things that we can see as an outside observer that are wrapped up into somebody who's experiencing toxic stress. And, um, you know, we might think some of that, you know, a lot of times as observers, we think, well, man, what's wrong with that person? Man, that's crazy, you know? somebody would do that or think that way or respond that way um, and so we kind of have to encourage people to think about more what happened to that person as opposed to what's wrong with that person yeah yeah that, that's a good point do you know do you happen to know like what is the age range of people that experience or it's more commonly known for them to experience toxic stress like is there a group of people that um you know you can say all right like between this age to that age or maybe even gender uh gender identities like is there a group of people that really experience uh, toxic stress more than any other um i don't know that i can give a lot of detail to that i can say that you know when we look at like um, ptsd diagnosis in particular a lot of research sort of indicates that female identified individuals tend to get diagnosed with PTSD at higher rates than male identified people. Um, and, you know, there's maybe a variety of reasons for that. Probably the one of the biggest reasons is that female identified folks are at greater risk of things like sexual violence and because sexual violence can be a very um, complex and complicated a uh, very painful kind of experience, uh, lots of shame and lots of trust issues and things like that. Um, it tends to have, it, because they're at greater risk and greater exposure to those kinds of things, we think, you know, um, that that's probably why it's kind of this, it's kind of a, a, a deeper level of, of shame and, and, and pain and, and harm than maybe some other forms of toxic stress. So we have some research that's kind of um boring that out a little bit um we can also see uh see things where um children may be at greater risk generally as an age group than adults and that has a lot to do with the fact that like i said before our stress response is preloaded uh, we come with it yeah and our calming center of our brains doesn't actually fully mature until we're probably almost about age 30 under normal conditions and so there's potentially, you know, 30 years of um, exposure to stress that can be fairly unmitigated there. So, um, you know, we, we know generally now in, in 2020, more than we did even, you know, 10 years ago, that was typically the younger the child, the greater the impact when it comes to toxic stress and trauma. 
Um, and that's usually with our with our littlest kids, you know, kids who are pre-verbal have kind of the greater impact because they don't have the language skills and the yeah. language development to really process what's going on around them. Yeah, that makes sense. So is it possible to combat all of this? Uh, like, is there anything that can be done about toxic stress and to heal, uh, you know, from it? Sure. Yeah. And I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but it, it certainly bears uh, repeating. Yeah. And uh, essentially, it, a lot of it comes down to um, creating and maintaining healthy relationships for people. So, um, you know, when we look at, and I think last time, you know, Amari, we talked about ACEs, these adverse childhood experiences and how, you know, a lot of toxic stress and trauma is caused by close relationships. You know, for our young kids, it's, you know, parents and caregivers and other adult household members, or for adults, it might be an intimate partner. For our elderly people, it might be an, an adult child. And so a lot of times there's a lot of this interpersonal harm happening. So relationships, um, unfortunately, have the, a lot of power to really kind of cut us down and hold us back. But because we are social creatures by nature, um, relationships also have the power to heal us and to lift us up and to prevent us from being uh, exposed to things like trauma and toxic stress. And so really broadly, what we have to do is find ways to help people create and maintain these healthy relationships, not just intimate relationships, but friendships and work relationships and between neighbors and other sorts of community type of relationships. And so, you know, when I, again, when I sort of look at what's kind of a lot of what's going on around us, there's obviously a lot of stress and high levels of stress and overwhelm and maybe even toxic stress and trauma in, in a lot of communities and neighborhoods and even families right yeah. now. And so we have to find ways to um, really leverage that healthy power of relationships to help us all kind of heal and calm down and reset our brains back to a place where we're calm and balanced and, and logical. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. And I really always appreciate that message because uh, a lot of people need to hear that. You know, each one of us have to be able to, to listen to that and say, you know, I want to go out, and connect with my community in whatever way I can. That way, when times like this happen in the future, times of crisis, that people feel connected and they don't feel isolated from, from the community and and uh, are able to seek for help whenever needed. So absolutely. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience uh, on the topic? Or is there anything coming up with DVI that you would like to share that people must know about? Sure, actually, if you'll, if you'll allow me, um, and folks can go to our Facebook page to learn more about this. We just announced this week that we're going to be doing a online film discussion of a film called Cracked Up. It's a brand new documentary film. It was just released in 2019, and we were actually going to do a public screening of it. It was going to be the South Central Pennsylvania premiere uh, way back in April, if anybody can remember that. Uh, but obviously we had to cancel that. So we've moved it online. 
Uh, we're going to, you know, people who register for that will get access to view the film online at home for 48 hours, and then we'll invite them to join us for this discussion on October 27th at six o'clock. And uh, Cracked Up is this documentary film that's actually by and about Daryl Hammond. And Daryl Hammond is the uh, longest running cast member on Saturday Night Live. Mm. And it's a, a very personal film about his uh, own experience with child abuse mm. and how he struggled for five decades to um, even sort of acknowledge that and uh, start a process to, to um, you know, uncover a lot of things that happened to him and, and, and find a journey to, to healing. So uh, it's a very um, tough film to kind of watch, which is why we want to offer this opportunity for folks to talk about it. Um, but it, I think it's a film that really speaks to kind of the things that we've been talking about around adverse childhood experiences and toxic stress and the impact that that sort of has. So um, it's very personal in that sort of way, but it's also very powerful. And I think when folks watch it, um, we'll really kind of come to understand about the fact that, you know, we're not just talking about these, these vague scientific terms like there's real impact on real people with these things that we're talking about um and that has real ramifications not just for individuals lives but in our families and our neighborhoods and our communities as well because there's a lot of people out there with trauma and toxic stress who are walking around and we don't even know about it yeah yeah that that, that is a good point and I will say that anybody who maybe is struggling and needs somebody to talk to, you can definitely reach out to me as well. Send me a message uh, and we'll talk. Because yeah, sometimes people don't feel welcome to share, obviously, and there's so much more into that for many reasons, but at least opening the space for people to say, hey, at least I know there's somebody that I can just say, hey, this is happening and I just need to talk about it. So. Uh, for sure. But Mike, again, thank you for the time that you always take to, to do this and, and for people in the community and for the people in the community, please make sure that you go to uh, DBI's Facebook page and check out the event coming up that Mike just uh, shared about. And that being said, welcome back to the podcast. We're going to be putting content um, just like we were doing before. So stay tuned for that. And thank you again. See you until next time. Thank you.